0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So The story of Hanukkah is a sacred story. And where sacred stories get their power is not on the literal level, what literally happened or didn't happen. That, that's not where we go to find the rich part. In a sacred story, you look at the elements of it and say, where is that my story? Where can I grow by looking at that? And so, as I sat with that story and reflected on it over the last couple of weeks, these are the elements that came to me. the whole part about how the Greeks had overrun and, and the Greeks were in charge, and that wasn't so bad. It was a live and let live. But what was really going on there was accommodation. And you could look at this and say, well, this is cultural evolution. And some people were, were adopting the ideas of the Greeks and they were, they were evolving as a society and it was a good thing. Maybe. But in our personal life, when we take that idea of accommodation, it has a lot more power. So accommodation is where we begin to adopt. The Greeks in the story represent the material world, the material consciousness, the ideas that are out there in the collective that are not necessarily true to us and who we are. But everybody's doing it, and so we sort of drift over and start doing it too. But it's not, it's not home. It's not our North Star. But we kind of conveniently forget that. Now, that could be something with ideas, but it's really more powerful if we dare to look at it, and where have I lived that? So as I was thinking about that, I, I thought about um, my previous husband, who we got divorced, but prior to that there was a lead-up that was accommodation on my part. He He did something, he betrayed me, and He's got his whole story of what led up to that. And there was, there was a flashpoint for me, much like with um, the, the priest who sees one sacrifice too many of a pig on a, on a Hebrew altar, and, and he, he says, enough. So I had my flashpoint where I ended it. But as I looked back, I thought, wow, how long had I been putting up with a situation that was not right for me? And it wasn't, it wasn't that my husband was a bad person. He wasn't doing terrible things. But in order to live in the situation that we had created together, I... I had to silence my own voice. I had to pretend that I didn't know what was true for me. I had to give in to being weak instead of being strong. And that went on for years. It took that flashpoint. And even with the betrayal, it was two years later It wasn't like, he did it, and it's like, boom, out of here. No, I was able to continue accommodating for two more years. A lot of us in this room, I'm sure, have had divorces. And it's easy to look at the person we divorced and say, ah, all the awful things. And, and if, you're, if you're looking for a new partner and you meet somebody who only can say, ah, oh, all the awful things, run. <laughs> <laughs> because they haven't done their work. <laughs> you have to be able to look and say, you know, the old, it takes two to tango. How did I cooperate with that? Where was I involved? And I don't know about for you, but for me, it was through accommodating and not standing true to who I am and what my soul needed. So in this sacred story, you have a group of people, a culture, who are not, some of them are standing true, and some of them are moving over and accommodating and not only accommodating, but looking at the ones who aren't accommodating and saying, oh, "You're so old-fashioned." So there's something where the culture is, is splitting apart, and it took the craziness and the violence of a person to come in and, and start really oppressing killing and sending people into slavery and all those terrible things that he did, desecrating the tradition. It took that for, as a collective, for them to stand up and say, enough. And so each of us gets to ask, what, what is it taking in our lives? And maybe, maybe right now you're in that place. Maybe you're in denial of something. Maybe you're putting up with something that is not healthy for you to put up with. It might be something that involves another person, or it may be something that you, in your own mind, are telling yourself. So ask yourself, who is my Antiochus? It might be the voice in your head that is telling you, oh, I'm too busy for my spiritual practices. I don't have time. That's a familiar voice, isn't it, for some of us? That's not truth. Because spiritual practice is how we remember who we are. That's why it was so important to the Hebrew people that they continue with their spiritual practice. It isn't that the practice itself was so wonderful, it was that those were the practices of their tradition that helped them to remember who they were, how they aligned with the divine. We have practices, everybody in this room, has found ways that bring us home to the idea of oneness. The gentleman was sharing about integrity, his practices, that every day he says, how have I gotten away from that? Integrity is wholeness. So I was not, all those years that I was accommodating, I was not in integrity, but I didn't know that. Because denial is such an amazing skill. (laughs) And I think pretty much we all have had some practice at it. it. It takes, you have to have a spiritual practice where you open up to say, where am I not in my truth? What am I holding on to? Maybe that I need to forgive and let go because this is not, this baggage this resentment is not my shining light. And it doesn't, when you have that flashpoint, it isn't like, ah, oh, now I see the light. Okay, it's all good. Uh-uh. It takes a fight. And the fight is not a fight in the sense of violence, but it, it's the strength and the dedication and the focus that takes us from being off-center back home to the truth of who we are. And it's not always easy. In fact, probably never, but it's required and it's important. And when we get ourselves back, center, that's when we open ourselves up to the miracles. In the story, when they finished with the fighting, they come back and, yeah, there's a mess there, but the light, the pure light is still there. It's the light of our true beings. And they think that they don't have enough keep that light burning. And yet somehow they do. Because the light is eternal, the light is our essence, it never goes out. But we are not always paying attention to it. And so our task is to become aware of the light when we think about how the light somehow, seemingly, magically, continued to, to burn, we could say that's God's grace. And that's, that's what they thought, right? The people in the story believed that. And, and so I wonder, how do we think about it? Because at Unity, we talk about oneness, and so in a concept of oneness, there can't be a God that's outside of us. A God that's patting us on the heads and says, oh, good job, I'll do this for you, I'll keep the candles burning, or whatever the thing is. There isn't an outside, it's all one, and, and the outside is, it's outside of our consciousness. We're not paying attention but when we step in to the truth of who we are when we do that the light is there the grace is there another way of thinking about grace which has been it's been quite a subject of discussion in spiritual circles over the years what is grace where is it coming from do you have any say in whether it's there And and there's a lot of embedded theology about, oh, you know, if you're good, then grace comes. Or God gives grace even if you're not good. There's just always grace there. But I want to present a more scientific idea of grace. And that is the bioenergetic field, the field of all creation, of which we are aspects If you think about it that way, it's always there. The energy that we call grace is always there. Are we paying attention to it? Hmm, Often not. But we could. That could be a spiritual practice. It's the energy that connects us to all that is. Everything that we need is connected. Because it's all one, one energetic field. I want to do a little experiment with you. I want you to rub your hands together. Fast. Feel the fire. And then start doing this thing. And maybe you can feel, can you feel a little, there's some energy there. Okay. And if you can, it's okay, just have the intention that perhaps you could. And so you're playing with the where you can feel the energy, where you can feel this field. And I want you to close your eyes. And as you close your eyes and you breathe, just see if you can extend the energy field. And each time you just bring it in a little closer and then let it go out a little wider. And as you you press inward, just ever so gently, you can feel this energy like an energetic ball that you're holding. You are touching the field, the field of consciousness, the field of grace. And we all can touch it. And then, what if you take that energy and may, maybe just stand up for a moment? Wherever you are, just stand up. And depending on your level of flexibility, you can and also elbow room, wherever you are. (laughs) But you can practice this at home. You can move down and just imagine taking that energy and moving it up your body. Like you're just cleansing your whole body and aligning it. And when you get to the top of your head, just reach your hands up. And then reach it out. And then reach it down. So you're touching all the elements. Can reach in front and reach behind. And just conclude with, at your heart and just feel the energy pulsing from your heart. And then go ahead and sit down. The field of grace, the field of light, it's everywhere. It emanates from us. It fills us. In the Hanukkah tradition, perhaps you notice this candle here, it's called the shamash, is that the right? Shamash? The shamash candle is the one with which you light all the other candles. We are the shamash candle. We are here to spread that light into the world. Miracles aren't accidental. Miracles are emanation of our intention and our love. And if we practice, we light the world. I want to end with a poem by John Rodell. In the face of war, I'm so small, yet love is big. So as you listen to this poem, I invite you to think about the people in the Middle East who are embattled, but also think about the battles that may be raging in your own hearts. Where inside of you is peace on earth needed? I can't make the world be peaceful. I can't stall tanks from roaring down roads. I can't prevent children from having to hide in bunkers. I can't convince the news to stop turning war into a video game. I can't silence the sound of bombs tearing neighborhoods apart. I can't turn a guided missile into a bouquet of flowers. I can't make a warmonger have an ounce of empathy. I can't convince ambassadors to quit playing truth or dare. I can't deflect a sniper's bullet from turning a wife into a widow. I can't stave off a country being reduced to ash and rubble. I can't do any of that. The only thing I can do is love the next person I encounter without any conditions or strings. To love my neighbor so fearlessly that it starts a ripple that stretches from one horizon to the next. I can't force peace on the world but I can become a force of peace in the world. Because sometimes all it takes is a single lit candle in the darkness to start a movement. Lord, make me a candle of comfort in this world. Let me burn with peace. Thank you.